podcast. I am Not Great Parent Molly, and this is my co-host, Not Great Parent Nathan. Hello, yes. And uh, I know Not Great Parents doesn't sound like the goal we should have, but that is our goal. Yeah, I guess if there are new listeners to the podcast, if you if you haven't gone back and just binged the whole thing oh, from the which beginning. I'm sure. Oh, I mean, we got super fans. <laughs> I, I said that on the previous podcast, they didn't believe it. And then we started having super fans write in with possible name ideas for the podcast I do with Jason and uh, Ed. Oh, really? So I just want to say, we do have super fans. We'll let you know when the merch store opens. That's guys. right. We need to get some. <laughs> but in case you're not a super fan, what does it mean to be a not great parent? Well, it means to be a good parent, and it yes. means to be a good a parent who's focused on raising their children in the goodness of God and, and, right. and a lifetime of them having um, the goodness of God in their life. Yeah, we want ultimately when, to pursue what Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and what God says is his righteousness, or we could even say his goodness, right. what he says is good. And that often requires us to not pursue greatness— which the world defines for us yes. as a lot of different things. Well, the way that uh, we <laughs> recently heard at a, a conference we went to, a family ministry conference, and I, I wrote it down because I thought it was so good, and because it's also me, I've now uh, edited it and adjusted and it's it. it's now the Nathan version. It's now mine. This does not belong to whatever that dude's name yeah, was. It's edited enough that it's not a copyright. Yeah, that's right. Now it is not. No plagiarism but, here. But basically, the, what they had said, and I thought it was good, is that most parents, including Christian parents, want to, they define character or they define success for their kids as they want to produce happy, moral, successful virgins. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) I want them to be happy. I want my kids to be happy. I want them to be mostly moral, like ethical. I don't want them to get into too much trouble. I want them to be successful, right? I want them to be Whatever that looks like for them, if that's making lots of money or just being, you know, having a job that means something to them or getting into a great college or playing sports and doing really well. And then I also, I'd like them to to be a virgin. And by virgin, what I really mean is I want them to abstain from, you know, uh, drugs and sex and alcohol and criminal behavior. Yes. I don't want that. And I consider that a success. If I raised a kid who's mostly happy, mostly moral, mostly successful, and mostly abstaining from all bad things. Which, honestly, those are, I mean, I would like my child to have those things too, but not at this expense of goodness well, because, and God's goodness. And that's yes. what we are running toward with our children. Well, and there's a potential that when that's my goal, I stop at that and I think, great job on my part because that's what I got. And I never get around to the goodness. But if I pursue the goodness, they they may not always be happy. Long term, I believe my kids will be joyful mm-hmm. and that they will be happy because the Bible tells us that happy is the person who meditates on God's law. Happy is the person who follows God's law. They may not they may not always be what we would call even the most ethical person. They may do things in our culture that yeah. often look like, oh, well, only bad people hold those views. Right. Only, only bad people think that way. Right. They may not always be successful. Yeah. Yes. And raising good kids doesn't mean that they never make mistakes That's and that true. they never get into bad behavior because the grace of God will help. My goal is not to raise these kind of perfect, great kids. It's to help them pursue God's goodness and that that's where they get to. And so we're, we are firmly committed to having no great parents 
at Community Christian. <laughs> so if you want to be a great parent, turn us off. Yeah, if you this want to is, be a good this parent, is not the place for you. Stick around. So. Yeah, we are not going to have tips and tricks to help your kids get into the right college. Yes. Well, today's episode, we are going to focus on a question that we received, and we love questions. So in the show notes, you'll see there's a way for you guys to submit questions. Please do. We've gotten great questions from you guys so far, good and great questions from Mm -hmm. you guys so far, and we want to talk about one of those today. And so I'm going to have Nathan read it for you guys, and then we're going to just dive right in. Yeah, and I want to say we we love getting these questions being able... I thought we had a really good discussion, uh, not great but a good discussion on our last episode about a school choice if you didn't get to hear it. And I think, you know, I think those only come about. I would have never thought to have a conversation on that. No, we would have never, in all of our brainstorming, that would not have been what we would have chose. So that's why these questions you send us are awesome because then we really can have conversations around the things that are going on in your heads, what you want to know. Well, we are a church, we're a community, and we want these to be communal discussions, and we're the two who get the microphone. But Yeah, but we're not driving some kind of, I mean, yeah. we're talking about goodness, and we're talk, we are both parents also, and we're just trying to do the right thing and we're just trying to raise our children in the goodness of God also so you know we're, we're see just how facilitating a conversation yeah. here so tell them how they can send the questions in oh so if you go to the show notes um, there's a link and that will take you to a form to submit the question and then we will receive it and then you know listen uh, and we're currently answering basically all the questions that we're yeah, getting yeah we're trying so. to get to them as quick as we can so yeah. here's the question I would like to hear a discussion about balancing punishment slash consequences with grace slash understanding. How so can you punishment slash consequences versus great and understanding? Okay. Right. Great so and ha- understanding. How can you balance the two, especially when you tend to be more toward one or the other? So uh, let's start there first yeah, with let's, let's- Tell me about your parenting style because I, I want to hear your parenting style. Oh, it depends on the day, you guys. <laughs> Tr- truthfully, uh, in my best, in my best, I am, I would say, authoritative, or mm-hmm. I, you know, am, am well balanced in mm-hmm. in sure, um, you know, telling my children what to do, but mm-hmm. also letting them, you know, letting them do letting them fail letting them do things and really using those as opportunities to learn from in my worst when i am tired to be honest i'm the most passive (laughs) when i'm when i'm tired and when i'm in a place where i'm just trying to get stuff done i'm authoritative and so i'm all over the board yeah but that's me (laughs) well don't you think this would be a good time for us too to plug these uh parenting ministry events that we have because the the definitions you're kind of using here came from a uh parent seminar we did maybe like six months ago um about this kind of idea that there are really um three types of parenting styles there's the authoritarian uh one who is very strict and very focused on rules and truth and behavior um you know and so there's not a lot of wiggle room for mistakes and there's a lot of rules in the house and all of those kind of things and then there are passive parents which are really focused kind of on um maybe more feelings and more on the kind of relational side of things they are a little more loose on the rules they tend to not have as many um legalistic kind of things going on mm-hmm. and the the model we used is out in John 1 uh, God, uh Jesus is described as being both full of grace 
and truth. And so what ends up happening a lot is sometimes we have this view that, you know, the authoritarian parent is the truth parent. Mm -hmm. You know, they're the disciplinarian. They're the ones who got all the rules and they're willing to dole out the consequences. Then there's the grace parent who's very passive, right? And they kind of just are like not making things a big deal. And then there's the third type, which is the balance of grace and truth, which is authoritative. Mm -hmm. There are parents who we do have rules and we do have consequences, but those are always followed up. Um, with some kind of compassion and understanding. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm a feeler, so, you know, passive is easy for me to go to. But Yeah, because um, you can sympathize with But I grew up in kids. an authoritative, but what what my learned parenting yes. is very author- authoritative. Mm-hmm. And so, no, not authoritative. Authoritarian. Oh, the words, guys, they're hard. Strict. The strict side. So I grew yes. up in a very strict, like, this is what, what if I say it, you do it kind yes. of thing. It was loving, but it was very, like, you know. Lots of rules. I always knew what a consequence was going to be before I ever even did anything. Right. Like, it was always outlined, all that. Right. So that was my learned parenting. And then my natural way mm. is a little bit passive. So I really do run into sort of the inconsistency from time to time. Mm. But, um, but authoritative is probably where I land well, more I th- often than not. I don't think this is, no, this may be, you can tell me if this is true, send this in as a thing. I don't think there are truly any fully passive parents. And what I mean is anything goes type parents. No. But I think there are, uh, the word you used inconsistent, I think is often the way it goes, where mostly I'm pretty passive mm-hmm. on things. And then something kind of irks me or offends me or hurts my feelings, or I'm just really tired. And so now I'm doling out huge consequences. You're never leaving your room. You're never blah, 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 you know? And so you you kind of, we kind of swing from one pendulum to yeah. the other. I tend to be um, mostly, you know, I want to say I'm authoritative. And I think, I, like you said, I think a lot of times I'm, I'm growing in this and I am I, I getting think when there. I'm, I think when I'm conscious, conscious of it and I'm very intentional, I'm authoritative. But I, as this person said, which I think is good, is which way do you lean? I think I lean more authoritarian. I lean more, I said it, you do it. This is just the way it is. We don't have, you know, here's here's the standards. Everyone lives up to them. And that tends to be more my style. So I think you lean more passive. I lean more mm-hmm. authoritarian, maybe together. Maybe. Yeah. And I'll say, I think that's kind of the way it goes. I'll say in my uh, marriage is my wife is more on more on the passive, not fully on the uh, that side, but of the two, we kind of balance. And in our home, my husband is very passive, and so for us, I have to lean really. I have to lean the other way, right? I, right. Against what's normal to me, because yes. And I think that when I say that was learn what I learned from my yes. parents is that I, I at my core know there has to be some level of yes. Um, not strictness, but some level of yes. boundaries and rules and things that are well, and I think not in, as negotiable. I think in this, in this kind of dichotomy that we set up of good, not great, mm-hmm. either, for certain segments of people, and this is why we say a lot, greatness looks different to everybody, mm-hmm. you know, because we often use the example like being on ball teams or, you know, yeah, traveling a lot or grades, but that may not be your thing. So I think authoritarian is a great model of parenting. And what I mean by in greatness, because in authoritarian, you make sure my kids are my kids aren't ever going to prison. My kids aren't ever gonna mess up. They're never gonna embarrass me. They're never gonna break the rule. They're gonna be quiet, mannerly, perfect. perfect kids. And I'm gonna set, and that's often my thing is like I want you to look good and act good and be good. And and I think the way to make that happen is by laying down the law and making it happen. But I think in kind of our culture, 
The passive side also is a path to greatness for many because I'm very in touch with my kids' feelings and everyone's happy all the time and we're really, you know, in that happy, moral, successful virgin category. We think passive is the way to get to that happy part. That's the way that I get to kids who are in touch with their feelings and I'm in touch with their feelings yes. and I don't ever, you know, we use the word shame a lot. I don't ever shame them for the choices they make. I don't ever make them embarrassed that they did a wrong thing. We just kind of talk about it and make it happen. That's a path to greatness. And the authoritarian is the path to the successful behavior virgin kind of side of things where we don't ever mess up or do anything wrong, but I may not be in touch with their feelings. And we want to be parents who are focused primarily on raising my kids to love God and love people. And that requires both parts of that, mm -hmm. I think. I think so, too. I mean, I think part of what we've talked a lot about is, you know, conversations with your kids. And if yes. you're an authoritarian, you might have to work on that aspect. Yes. Or um, it also, we've talked about putting some boundaries for our children That's and right. saying, hey, this is our family's priority. And that, yes. that for people who are passive may be, a struggle. Yes. So yes, it, it is right. a balance in those things. And, and so I say I'm inconsistent and I think that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, but, but I think it's about being intentionally the mm -hmm. parent type, you, you, you know, you understanding where you're at and, and being intentional about. Well, and don't you think, things. you know, so the goal is to love God and love people. And Jesus makes very clear, if you love me, you obey my commands. And I think sometimes we have really, uh, by saying, you know, Jesus, one command is to love God and love people. Sometimes that sounds like Jesus doesn't care about any other part of the commands he's given. But the truth is, Jesus says all the commands in the Bible can be summed up by loving God, which means if I'm going to love God, those other commands do matter. Mm -hmm. It Me being a person who does not lie matters. I cannot love God if I'm lying to him and everyone else. And to his people. Yep. And I cannot love God if I'm losing my temper at every moment and, and, and blowing up on other people. Or if I'm stealing or if I'm doing these other things. And so part of teaching my kid to love God is giving consequences and giving back. And saying this kind of behavior is not acceptable in a home where we're going to love God and love people. But on the other side of it, too... I've got to have enough grace that doesn't make you feel like you are worthless or incapable because of the thing. And so consequences, discipline is really a way, and you're going to hear Jason say this in a minute when we get to Jason's segment, mm -hmm. this idea of punishment, that idea really needs to be taken out of our head. The mm -hmm. idea of punitive, that I am punishing you for the thing. and Because punishment is about you did something bad, now a bad thing will happen to you. Right. It's not about the correction of or, or learning to have a better behavior. It's about just yeah. I, I'm punishing you for that. Yes. The goal of discipline is what it sounds like. It is, it is I am wanting to give my children. It is a gift that I give to my children that they are able to be self-disciplined, or as the Bible puts it, self-controlled enough to not lose my temper and scream and hit my sister because I'm upset, mm -hmm. or to steal something when I want it, or to lie. That takes discipline. And so it may require some, when my child is not self-disciplined, me as the parent may have to step in and discipline them. Yes. To put that discipline around them. So we asked Jason, who is on staff here, is one of our teaching pastors, but he also is over our, uh, our kind of, we call them our pro-parents. Right. You know, our parent, our they're older part parents. Our, they're part of our parenting ministry team. Right. He does a lot of these kind of seminars that we do around parenting. We asked him to give us kind of some guidelines on what does... What is really the purpose of consequences of discipline? 
and what are some guidelines to kind of do effective cool. discipline. So let's hear what Jason has to say. So the podcast team asked me to come in today and talk a little bit to you guys about how to give consequences to our kids as parents. And the first thing I wanted to say is I am just like you. I am not a great parent, especially when it comes to this, too. Um, today, what I want to talk to you about is really just my take on this. I don't think any of us are perfect at all on this. We don't get this right all the time because we're all different. Every kid is different. Every situation is different. And like I said, every parent is different in how we approach uh, situations. So because of that difference, it's hard to just have one hard, fast rule on how to do consequences in every situation. But for me, again, just for me, what I always like to do is start with the end in mind. And what I mean by that is I, I like to ask questions of, well, what is my ultimate goal as a parent? And again, for me, my ultimate goal is I want to raise an adult who loves Jesus and who loves people. And so I try to think through when I give consequences to my kids of what is going to lead them to that ultimate end goal. And I try to use that as my guiding principle for how to do discipline or how to do consequences. So here they are in no, no real order, my principles for how to do discipline and consequences. And the first thing I would say is no matter what, I want to love my child well, and I want to preserve our relationship, at least as far as it depends on me. See, if I have to create a consequence to teach a lesson, I want to make sure that when I make that consequence that I come behind it and I explain it in a way that my child can understand. And I'll say this is probably going to change as your kids get older. When they're younger, they can't understand certain things. But as they get older, you can have more adult-like conversations with them about why this consequence is being given to them at this particular time. And the thing is, is your kid doesn't have to like the consequence. But in the end, I, I at least want them to understand. This is why mom and this is why dad are actually... Uh, making this rule or giving you this consequence. So that's the first thing that's important to me and I think leads me to that ultimate goal. Second thing is this, I just personally believe natural consequences are better than manufactured consequences. And you know what I'm talking about, the kind of punishments that we bring into our kids. Those have a place and there's nothing wrong with them, but I think anytime that you can allow a kid to experience the natural consequences of their actions, you're in better shape. And again, of course, there are limits, and you've got to be wise on this. I mean, for example, you can't let a child go play in traffic and then reap those natural consequences. You've got to step in and, and create some, uh, some artificial consequences so that they learn that lesson. So you have to be wise about this, of course. But if you can, first of all, issue a warning to your child and say, look, if you do this, this is most likely going to happen to you. And then you leave them with that warning and then you just kind of let them go experience it. What I've found over the course of my parenting is that life is a much better teacher than I will ever be. And then after that lesson is learned and they do experience those natural consequences, that's another opportunity for me to come in and talk and explain. And, and I will say this, you got to do it with a lot of compassion and a lot of empathy and, and not with this uh, punishment kind of mindset. In fact, that leads me to my next principle. When you do give consequences or you have to lay out some kind of punishment or discipline, uh, in the words of the old hip-hop song in my era, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. And what I mean by that is 
don't ever discipline your child when you're angry. Uh, because if you do, you'll say something stupid, something you can't back up. You know, you're never gonna see you're never gonna see your phone for a month. Well, you probably don't mean that. Maybe you do, but we all say stupid things. You know, you can't leave your room for a year. Well, that's because you're angry. You say things like that. And when you say things you can't back up, you lose credibility. And not to mention you damage that relationship with your child that I was talking about earlier, which again is a huge value for me. And for me, I'm just not big on discipline and consequences just being punitive for punitive sake. I mean, I, I don't even like the word punishment for me personally. Because, see, I want every consequence to connect to the action in order for them to learn a lesson that, again, steers my child back toward Christ-like love and Christ-like behavior. Because it all goes back, again, to that ultimate goal. I am raising an adult who loves Jesus and loves other people. So don't you think that consequence is actually part of grace? Yeah, I think... I think ultimately if you think about what grace is, and maybe this is a part of our misunderstanding um, around this, you know, full Jesus was the fullness of grace and truth. Even in the question, we think Jesus was the balance of grace and truth. Right. And I've even heard that taught before, mm -hmm. that 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 more in terms of love, but lo Jesus is love, so that it was the balance of the two. But right. really, it's he's not the a, fullness of both. He's the fullness of both. He is the perfect combination of the two. Yes, that what Jesus ultimately is, and we see this, there's this idea, I think, because when you talk about it in terms of a balance, what you think is there are times I have to give grace and just not give them truth. Mm-hmm. And so for this time, and I'll balance it, or I need to give more grace, so I'll just give a little less truth. Mm -hmm. Or I need to give more truth, so I need to not give them much grace on this side. Right. But grace is, here, here's what I think is important, is grace is God's, God's grace at least, is God's activity in my life, his power in my life to, in, to either help me to do, enable me to do, or do for me what I can't do for myself. So often when we talk about God's grace, what we mean is forgiveness of sin. Right, we think I received the grace because he, you know, he died right. on the cross for sin. True, but... But grace, in the original Greek language, the word for grace is this word charis, which is where we get the word charisma from. Right. Charis is just a gift of kindness that someone gives to me. It's not something I've earned. It's just something someone gives to me. So Christmas gifts are charis. They are grace. I did not earn a Christmas gift. Someone just gave it to me. But a Christmas gift is also not the for, just the forgiveness of my sins. The reason grace is tied to the forgiveness of our sins is because grace is the gift of mercy, the forgiveness right. of my sins, that is something I didn't earn that God has given to grace me. Grace was the gift. But grace is also the gift of patience that God gives me when my kid is losing their mind and I want to just scream at them, but, and choose, and, but then I choose to be calm and patient. I think the best way to think of grace is grace is God's gift of power in my life. It's just God's gift to me. And that may be mercy and forgiveness of my sins, right. but it also may be power from the Spirit of God to do what I can't naturally do. So when I look at, well, what does it mean to be full of grace and truth? Mm -hmm. Grace is, 
is someone choosing to give me something I don't necessarily deserve. It's just a gift, Mm -hmm. right? And truth is about me holding up. This is what reality is. This is the way the world works. And so grace and truth are not opposites that are at at odds with one another. They're bound together. They're bound up together. And one, I think that's just important for us to understand about God that God giving us truth, you know, the, the 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 Jewish people would think of the law as God's grace. God's telling us the best way to live. Right. As I was going to say, I mean, he didn't just die for our sins. Yes. He did. That was yes. the great act that he did. But before that came all, all this teaching. All this teaching. Yes. And they really were tied together because all that teaching involved, this is going yes. to happen. And it's, you know, then you're going to have a, a new covenant with me and it's going to look different. But he brought with him not just this act of saying your sins are forgiven. He brought truth. Yes. Along the, with it. And they what, were together. what John is trying to do in John 1 by saying Jesus was the fullness of grace and truth. What he's doing is he's actually drawing on, and we've recently been using this verse in our Sunday morning worship where uh, God revealed himself as Yahweh, the Lord. I am mm-hmm. full of uh, abounding love and faithfulness. But then he follows that up by saying, we haven't done this part, but you'll see this is, he also says, you know, he says, I'm slow to anger, which is kind of the grace side is, I'm, I am I am giving giving gifts to you. You don't deserve me to be slow to anger or to be compassionate about your little pitiful human problems because I'm God. But that's a gift I give. I care about these mm-hmm. things. The truth part is where he says, but don't think that I don't uh, I, I don't care about your sins. He says, I visit those sins. And that's where you hear about on the, the, the next generations. I'm going to take care of sin. Sin is going to be dealt with. And so you have to, and what he's saying is that Jesus was the fullness of those things. A God who cares about the injustice in our world. The God who cares about the sin in our world that leads to death. Because sin, the natural consequence of sin is death. Mm -hmm. It's just the natural consequences. The way Romans says, Paul says in Romans, is the wages of sin. The cost of sin is death. Uh, Death is not the punishment God gives us for our sin. No, that's natural. It's just the natural consequence, right? If I punch this table, God didn't punish me because my hand hurts. Mm -hmm. It's the natural consequence of what it is. Jesus gives me this gift of grace that he comes in, he's willing to take that away. So when you Mm -hmm. come to parenting, you talk about consequences, as you already said. Me holding up truth Mm -hmm. to my kids is not a balancing act that I have to somehow also bring grace into it. It is a gift of grace. So will you read the question that we were given again? Yes. Because I, I think I think we're going to kind of reframe the question maybe a little bit. Yes. Um, so the question then, ultimately came down to, the final part of the question is, they said they want to hear your discussion. It says, yeah. how can you balance the two, consequences and grace and understanding, when you tend to be more toward one or the other? And here's what I would say. A parent who is authoritarian, I'm going to talk to myself here. Yeah. I am not always giving the truth of things to my kids. I'm not giving them the fullness of truth. So when I say to my kid, this is unacceptable. No one acts like this in my house. You can't do this. This is who you are. The truth that I'm, I am espousing to them may necessarily be true. I don't want you to act this way. Mm-hmm. But it is not the full truth but of it's who not they the are. Full truth. The full truth in that situation is, I'm going to love you even if you keep doing this thing. 
Oh, who wants to say that when you're mad at them? Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> the full truth is, even if this happens, and the reason I'm doing this is because I love right. it. And the passive parent who comes in when your kid steals something or lies and comes in and goes, baby, I know you're just tired. Right. That's what it is. And doesn't come in and say, you know what? You were being selfish. Right. The only thing you're focusing on is yourself right now. Right. That's all. They're not really giving a gift to that child. No. They're not being gracious because they're not giving the truth in that situation. There is a way, and this is what we see in Jesus, a way to give a gift that is the gift of truth. Right. That is the gift, and it's and that it's done in such a way that it, not that it is perceived as a gift, because I think when you give consequences, no kid is like, thank you, can I have another? What a gift, I love these <laughs> what consequences. A gift. Yes. But you know as a parent, I'm actually gifting this to my yes. kids. Because there have been consequences, I'll just say it. There have been ways that I've given consequences, and I, it was right for me to have given a consequence, but the way I did it right. was a burden to my So child. I think that, right. And I think that the consequence and the way in which you speak to your child along with the consequence matters. Yes. Well, Jason said in his thing, he said, whenever you give a consequence, I thought this was really good. He said, you always want to come behind it and try and explain it to them. Yes. The reason that because you stole this thing, you now have to... So we, we, we have consequences in our home sometimes that if you take something from somebody else, which all kids do, they yeah, take things that don't that? belong to them, you have to go back and make amends for that. Mm -hmm. You have to go, and often it's you have to buy a gift for that person mm -hmm. because you took something from them. And just returning the item isn't enough because you've now wounded that person. So you're gonna to apologize to them and you're gonna say, hey, because I feel bad, here's kind of the amends I'm making. Mm -hmm. But we explain that to my kids, mm -hmm. right? We sit down, we say, this is what it is. Or if you tell a lie, mm -hmm. right? I always, We always say, there are only three rules in our house. There are only three rules. And this is not original to me. This is from a pastor named Andy Stanley. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought it was so brilliant. The only three rules in our house is uh, no, so it starts with no, no dishonesty, no disrespect, no disobedience. Mm -hmm. We don't have a lot of little nitpicky rules. So that comes down to uh, start with disobedience. If I directly tell you to do something, you know, you, my girls are playing outside, we live on a golf course. The rule of the golf course is you can't be out onto the golf course while people are golfing, right? Which mm -hmm. makes sense, right? Because mm -hmm. they don't want little kids just hanging out. So we, so our rule is, they say, can we go up and ride on the golf course? There's no one out there. I go, yep, you can go up. But the moment you see a golfer, you gotta come back gotta to the come back. So if I come outside and I see you're out there talking to a golfer or riding around. Never happens. Yeah. If, <laughs> if you're, or you're riding around, that's disobedient because yeah. I just told you. It's not really a rule in our house. It's just, I just told you not to do it. Or if I say, hey, go put that up and come right back. But you went and then you went through all the cabinets and did all this. That's disobedience. Yep. There's a problem. Disrespect is pretty obvious. Yep. Rolling of the eyes. Uh, calling mean names, right? And I don't just mean to me. Proper, like, yes. property, things like yeah. that. Yeah, disrespecting other people. Uh, and then finally, dishonesty. If you're just not telling me the truth, we'll have a consequence for those things. Mm -hmm. If you break something, if you oh, mess yeah. something up, if you spill something on your shirt. If you have an accident, those things happen. Yeah, there's not going to happen. Or if you legitimately just make a poor decision. I mean, we have this all the time. Oh, yeah. You just legitimately make a poor decision. Not a lot of consequences for other things. We don't have consequences around grades. We don't have consequences around, yeah. uh, you know, all these different kinds of things. We just don't have a ton of rules. I'm constantly saying to my children, it's not always about what happens in the moment. It's often about what you do afterwards. Yes. So is it that you're honest about what happened? Or yes. was it that you, um, you know, 
if I tell you to do something where you're respectful in return. Mm -hmm. And so I say that constantly, you know, it's, we're all going to mess up. We're mm -hmm. all going to have things, but it's what we do at that point yes. that matters. That's what matters to me as a parent. It's, yes. and, and, and then as a parent, I have to help my child understand what the right thing yes. would have been and help them maybe understand why it happened. Yes. So that then maybe next time it doesn't happen in the same way. Well, it I'm, might. It might happen 20 times. But. We only, and I, maybe I didn't make this part clear because I 100% agree with what you said. So I want to make this part clear the way we do our rules. Those are only things that are between us and our kids. So right. I want to say this. Disobedience is if I tell you to do something mm -hmm. and you don't do it. Disrespect is they're going to be disrespectful with their sisters. It's going to happen. I oh, don't yeah. know a way to get They're going to argue with them more than they should. They're going to do all these kind of things. We allow our kids to argue with us. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of parents don't. We have a lot. If they don't like a rule we make, they're allowed to tell us I don't like it. And they're allowed to tell me all the reasons they don't want to. If they ever get disrespectful, then we got a problem. If it's because mm -hmm. you're so stupid, mom, you're so whatever, right. that's what we got the problem. And you at the end, very well, at the end may say, okay, well, you know, thanks for sharing, but the rule yeah. is still the rule. Well, and then part <laughs> of the grace and truth is I want to illuminate the truth to you mm -hmm. because the grace, the gift that I have as a parent is I have experience. I have wisdom. Mm -hmm. I know how the world works. So when I say, hey, don't yell at your sister like that, they don't get in trouble for yelling at their sisters. They get, they get in trouble when I tell them to stop yelling at their sisters. And then they now have disrespected it's, you. I've given you, I've come in. And I've, I've come in, well, yeah, you've disobeyed what I just told you to do, right? We don't have a lot of rules around, you know, I know it sounds silly. Like jumping on the bed mm -hmm. is not something you get a consequence for in my house unless you're doing it. And I come upstairs and I go, hey, remember, we're not jumping on the bed. Mm -hmm. And then they continue jumping on the bed, right? right? Uh, and I know these sound like small different things, but like cleaning the room. My kids' rooms are disgusting. <laughs> But there's no consequences for it unless I just came up and said, hey, clean this mess up. Right. And then you choose to continue and go play. Right. Right? But the Unless you've established that consequence, too, which you may sure. come in and say, you know, we're all going to watch the movie. If your room's clean, you can watch, watch the movie. Yeah, so that's I think that's a really good example. Um, that uh, Let me get to that in just a minute because I think that's a good example. I wanted to finish on... For my kids, and I know this is different. Jason said this in his sermon on Sunday. I thought it was funny. I thought, oh, you know, great minds think alike. Or it's <laughs> foolish group think. Yeah. Either one is I'm possible. Like, great minds, so here we go, guys. Yeah. So <laughs> when he said the thing about, he said to his kids, and I think a lot of parents say this to their kids, you know, if you tell me the truth, the consequence will be less. We've actually gone farther. I have told my kids, if you tell me the truth, there will be zero consequences. Yeah. I have, If you are the one who comes to me and confess, I stole this thing. But if I had to come to you and ask you to tell me the truth? Well, yes. And if you lie to me about it. If I come to you and ask you and say, hey, Miss Molly said you were disrespectful to her at at church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Is that true? And if they say yes. If they say yes and, I, and then we talk about it, then I go, okay, well, let's figure out. And I want to be clear. That doesn't mean that we go, okay, everything's good. No. What it means is I go, let's talk about how you make that right with Miss Molly. Mm -hmm. because ultimately what I want, and Jason said this too, is I'm raising an adult. And I don't, the way I raise an adult is not when they're 25 go, your boss just called me and said that you mailed off to him. Guess what? I'm not coming to see you for Thanksgiving. That's, you know, there's no consequence I can give a 25 year old. please tell me the boss isn't calling home. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. But 
what I do want is I want to train my child to know how to have that. So to I will say this, to my daughters, that feels like a consequence. When I say you're going to go to Miss Molly's office and you're going to tell her you're sorry mm -hmm. that you were disrespectful yesterday, that feels like a consequence. But we're not going to have to some... you, it's a gift. Yeah, well... <laughs> It's a gift to me. But it's like, here, I'm going to give you this gift. But it's not compounding consequences. No. And now you're grounded for a week. No TV for a month because I heard you mouthed off to somebody. No. And I'm not saying that you can't do those things. What I'm saying is, is I think you want to start having this reimagining of what's the purpose that I am upset that my child disrespected another adult. Mm -hmm. is, it, is it because I'm embarrassed that I have a mouthy seven-year-old? Might be. That, as likely. Jason said, don't don't do it out of anger, right? Right, don't do it out of anger. A and great parent is the parent whose kids never mouth off. The great parent is the one that never wants to be embarrassed in front of anybody. The great parent is the one that yes. never corrects their kid anywhere publicly. The great parent is yes. the one that, you know, does not handle any kind of thing like that well. But what I want to think about is when I look at my child, what's the reason it bothers me that they mouthed off, not just to an adult? Why, why does it bother me that they just called their sister stupid and ugly? It's because they have disrespected a person made in the image of God and that for their long-term health and their development as a person and a person who I want them to love God and love people, if they can't learn how to make amends for those things, that's really going to be a problem in their mm -hmm. marriage. In their whole life. In their work relationships. So my job as a parent is not just to, you know, pop on the hand and say, bad job, don't ever do it again. And hopefully this punishment I give you will feel so bad you'll never want to do the bad thing again. It's to, it's honestly, and I often say this, is sometimes I get really mad and I mouth off to, to, to your mom. And mm -hmm. she is my authority. She terrifies me. No. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes I get frustrated at work and I say things I don't mean. You are never probably on this side of heaven going to get to a point that you don't say a disrespectful thing. No. The question is, what do you do after that? What do you do once you... Yeah. And that's why I was saying, to, to Molly's point, it's never the initial decision. It's how can we go forward? And that's, I mean... Truthfully, we, we were given that from Jesus, right? Yes. He, he said what you've done is, you know, I'm forgiving you of yes. this, but I've also instilled these things in you yes. and given you this understanding. So we as parents, to answer the question, I think we as parents, you know, it's not a balance of the two, it is, but it is both. So, yes. yes, you can put consequences for your children. Yes. Because part of the, I mean, the consequence is a gift because in that comes yes. the truth that they need to hear and the understanding of why yes. it happened. And and that doesn't mean that it isn't painful for your child at times. Yes. It doesn't mean they're going to like it. It yes. doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. It means that it, those things are bundled together and you have to do both. But they go together. But occasionally you run across things, and I do want to admit this because I don't want to make it sound oh, like... Oh, we're not perfect at this, by the way. <laughs> no. Well, and I don't want to make it sound like this is the only way to give consequence. I think this should be our primary first response when I see bad behavior oh, yes. in my children. On two caveats. One, when they are at an age they can't understand that conversation, right. then you just have to give consequences, right? I do pop a, a baby on the hand. Maybe you don't pop a baby on the hand. I popped my youngest on the hand when they when they touch and then something. They look at you like, whoa. Yes, or or uh, you know there was a you're throwing a temper tantrum. You go to the timeout chair. Right. We did that too, right? And the benefit I think I honestly to my parenting was you know uh, when I when because we were um, 
foster parents for so long and you can't pop or spank right. or do any of those things. We had to get kind of creative with what consequences. And when you have young children who can't understand, your job is not to sit and just talk to them. And no, no, no. <laughs> the way that you do help a, I'd say five and under, for the most part, general guideline, the way you help a five and under kind of understand the right response is through we don't yell when we're angry. Mm -hmm. So when you do, there's a timeout chair or there's a lot, there's a consequence on this side. Kind of thing. Yes, because that really is all you're trying to teach. In fact, because we had children who at one point in their life were fairly neglected, the thing the therapist talked to us about was they did not, even at older ages, understand the idea of cause and effect. Mm -hmm. They really did not understand if I pick this up, it's no longer on the table. The idea of like cause and effect, and that's what you're trying to do with birth through really these early ages is you're not trying to sit down and go, now how can we apologize to Miss Molly? <laughs> and I know that's more of the passive side, which I don't think is that's very helpful. That's when you get helpful. into the training years. That's part of the, yes. you know, you're training your children. So there are consequences for young children. You know, it's never acceptable to just start yelling when you're angry. It's never yell to throw a toy when yeah, you're angry exactly. or to lie or any of those kind of things. There may just be generalized consequences. I'm talking about when you're parenting older and you're and you're starting to go into those elementary, middle school, high school ages, you want to be able to have those. And honestly, that's why we make dishonesty the main thing, because I want my kids to know, as Jason said, there's nothing you can do that will make me love you less. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing you can do that if you come to me, we can't figure it out. Because I don't want my kid getting to a place that they're so full of shame over the bad things that they've done that, they, that their thought is, I can't tell mom because it'll make she'll make it worse. No, and that's not necessarily our bottom line here. But if you hear us say one thing, please hear us yes. say that. Like, yes. Please hear us say, you know, that you re reinforce with your children that there's nothing that we can't work out together. Yes. And that, you know, we are not labeling you as this horrible no, person no, because no. of this thing that you did and let them carry that shame. Well, and I think you should know that as a parent. I think one of the hardest things about parents is that you do love these kids and ultimately you you want them to like you. Oh, yeah. You really do want, you want them to be good and successful and virgins, but you you also want them. You also them, want them to come home and hang out with you. Yeah, you want you. them to, and you want your six-year-old. It's so weird how you really want a six-year-old to like you and say, so mommy weird. and daddy are the best. Especially when they say mommy's the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so right. I have one of those. I'm like, come on, just. That's One right more here. time. That's right. Who's Say the worst? Daddy? Guy in the other room. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Did, did you say daddy's the worst? But yeah, I think you really want those things. But the other part of it that we have to hold in kind of tension with all of that is this idea that really my, my goal is I want to help them become the kind of people who they get to a point of realizing my biggest problem is me. That my biggest problem is my inability to love God and love people. Your children are selfish. I know you think they're not. They are selfish. P babies do not cry because they go, I just, I know my mom wants the experience of breastfeeding me, so let me cry <laughs> and do those things. And I don't mean this in a bad way. They're self-focused because they go, I'm hungry, I need something to eat. Yeah. Your three-year-old, I know they bring you the gift, but I don't know if you've noticed this, when they bring you a little toy and they go, I made this for you, mommy. It's not for selfless reasons, because when mommy gets it, she goes, Thank you so much. Thank You're you such so a much. sweet boy. Yeah. And they, and which I think is good. I'm not saying it does. We're training them. We're using their own self-focused motivation to instill the right yes. behavior. So you want to do the same thing with consequences. Like we said, when they're really young, you just want it to feel like, you do want it to feel like, man, every time, every time I yell and scream, not only do I not get what I want, but I end up in a room all by myself in a timeout chair and I can't do anything about it. This was not worth it. Right. 
right? So they instill that in young age. And as they get older, you want to do the same thing. I remember reading the book Boundaries by Henry Cloud, and he described an example of the mom who comes in, and she's got a 13-year-old son, and they're all going out for ice cream. And she goes, she goes, your room is a mess. This is disgusting. This is what you were talking about earlier. This room is, it's disgusting. And mom comes in and starts nagging and yelling and saying, you need to clean this up and you need to get this done because we're going for dinner. This room's a mess and you need to blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, even though you're saying the word you need, all that kid needs is for his mom to get off his back. Right. He doesn't need to clean his room. He's thinking, I want mom to stop yelling at me. Yeah. She goes, but if you come in and go instead, hey, look, we're all going for ice cream. And everyone whose room's clean is getting ice cream. We're leaving in 10 minutes. That's enough time for you to get this done. Now, the problem is not that my mom is yelling and nagging. The, the problem pro is I got a dirty room and I got 10 minutes to get it done. The problem is I, I want, want ice, ice cream. cream. And what's in between me and ice cream is a messy room, not a yelling, screaming mom. And so when you give those consequences, but the hard part about that is... Delivering on those consequences if they don't get it done. When they don't clean that room, and I've been this parent sitting at the ice cream store and three of my kids have ice cream and one doesn't and that little old lady walks by and goes, do you not like ice cream? And they say, no, my mom and dad said I couldn't have any. And the old lady goes, oh. Oh, the judgy eyes. Oh. Yes. Oh. Are you terrible? There's all, the, there's all the old ladies. Oh. Are you terrible? And the feeling you get as a parent of being like, oh man, not, not only is my kid mad at me, these people are judging yes. me and blah, yes. blah, blah. Grace always costs the person who gives it. Hmm. Grace always costs the person who gives it. It costs Jesus his life. Right. True. And you as a parent who are going to give the gift of grace, which is at times consequences for behavior, it will cost you the fact that your teenager is mad at you mm -hmm. or the fact that other people might judge the decision you made mm -hmm. or that at times your house is not peaceful or you didn't get the fun experience you wanted of going on the trip and having the fun thing. But that's truly what... Gift giving is a gift yes. to something that is not about you. That's right. It's about them. And so I think it's really important when you ask this question, you wanted a discussion on it. And I think we've kind of discussed, we've discussed it through. It. But that's, I think, where we want to land is consequences are not opposed to grace. They are a gift of grace mm -hmm. when done properly. Mm -hmm. When not, they become this authoritarian thing of all I care about is your behavior. Is the action. Which mm -hmm. I think, I hope for all parents. I mean, I'm authoritarian and I feel guilty over this sometimes, but I, I know what the truth. All I care about is not my kid's behavior. Mm -mm. And so that's not even the truth, mm -hmm. right? So I'm not really giving them the truth in that moment. And the passive parent who says, I don't care about my kid's behavior, you don't think that's true either. Yeah. And you're not really giving them a gift of grace by never giving them a consequence because when they are a 25-year-old 20, who just got divorced because their, their spouse couldn't put up anymore with their temper or their or the fact that they never apologized for anything they did, or they just lost their third job because they can't do anything they don't mm -hmm. want to do, you did not give them that gift of grace. Mm -hmm. And this isn't to shame anybody. No. We are not responsible for our kids' behavior. Our kids will turn into adults, and they're going to make their own decisions. Our goal as a parent is to give them both the grace and the truth, because truth is a gift of grace. Mm -hmm. To be to to be like Jesus for them, even though we can't do it perfectly, mm -hmm. which is why we say around here all the time, good parents realize I need to care about my relationship with Jesus as much right. as my kids. So I need, he's given us that same thing, and it's yes. all in there. <laughs> if I'm going to give grace to my kids, I need to be the conduit 
God gives me the grace to be patient. God gives me the grace to control my own temper when my kid hurts my feelings. God gives me that grace so I can give the grace to them. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, we allow God to handle the rest of it. We're going to end there. And if you guys have more questions, please submit them to us. We want them there. Go to the show notes, click on the link. And um, we will see you all next time. Have a great day. See you.